a project by Charles Prowse recently, as I mentioned, a man that's worked in Indigenous affairs for the last 20, 30 years and has impeccable qualifications under his belt. Charles, it's good to see you again. Thank you. It was wonderful to be here. Good to see you, Sandy. Oh, I believe you've been up to a lot since we had a conversation last in the studios of Pranyangaranga Karaman Halls Creek. Mm. You've been to Harvard University. You've uh, done uh, a Bachelor of Science in uh, the University of WA. You've consulted widely across the country. You've spent a lot of time working in Indigenous affairs on a public uh, and uh, government along with the corporate sector Mm. as well. Yes, I have. I've been CEO twice of Supply Nation, helped bring in the first Indigenous procurement policy with the federal government. Um, and helped grow Supply Nation, helped grow the National Aboriginal Sporting Chance Academy. And I worked with Lend-Lease before um, doing uh, their Indigenous Employment or Procurement Program and I was their Global Diversity Manager um, before I left and then started my own consultancy with my cousin Linton Wright, Annie Edie's um, son. So we're doing Indigenous programs and helping corporate Australia consult on RAPs. So that's been going well. Corporate Australia, wow, and uh, working on uh, a government capacity with advising and you've been asked so many times about how to tackle Indigenous issues across the country. What's that been like? Well, um, of some people used to say, how do you, how do you, what is the answer to the Aboriginal, the challenge the Aboriginal problem, well, first of all, we're not a problem, but, you know, the there is no one answer and um, I think uh, that's what I talk about in, in this recent book. Uh, people ask me, what's the answer? And I feel like telling, well, how long have you got, you know? So it's a, it is a real challenge, but I do think there are some simple things like listening and really listening to what Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people are saying and acting on it and and following up because we keep repeating ourselves i mean you would have been around and we've all been around as community members we sound like i think we're repeating ourselves to the non-indigenous community maybe it's time for for some listening to happen and some action on this book oh yes it's all about the up-and-coming referendum and Mm. why we should vote yes yes so um the referendum's happening and I was contacted uh, around writing a book. Actually, I thought I was going to introduce someone to write a book to the publisher, but I uh, ended up agreeing to write the book myself around the voice to parliament and my perspective as an Aboriginal person, as a community person, as a person who's come from regional remote Australia. So, um and my perspective, so no surprises, is that we should vote yes. And I wrote a 10,000-word long essay, and it's a little booklet, and it came out in July, and I've been promoting it. But more importantly, I'm, I really am passionate about the voice getting up and across the line for this referendum. Yeah, like you said, an essay, well, some people might say memoirs. And huh? What's the difference between that and a book? 
Well, I don't know, to be honest, the way that I wrote the essay was my personal experience. And, you know, I did talk, I do talk about the fact in the book, you know, I did feel like I was writing a memoir in terms of what I've done in my life. I wrote, for example, one of the first jobs I had at university was coming back to Derby every holiday and work at ATSIC in, in the Derby Regional ATSIC office. And I was helping people. I was on reception. I was a junior project officer. I helped people when they came in and asked questions, you know, how do I get my son to, to school? You know, we need to support this, you know, youth program. How do we do that? And for, for Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people who are not part of the government system you know, in terms of employees or they don't who don't speak English as a first language you know it's good to be able to talk to you know the community like just a, a community person break down the complexities of, of a funding application or a system and be a smiling face and tell them it's you know have a seat you know an air conditioned office if you'll be right we'll we'll look after you and in fact you know we helped we helped at those youth programs and those sporting events and I think ATSIC gave me a lot of experience around engaging community and being that bridge between the white man government world and the community world and you know, I remember happy days. And so I actually write about that in, in this essay, in this book. So I do feel it's a bit like a memoir. And I actually also interview my mum, Iris Prouse. And you know, she's been on the front line, like many people around Australia, but, you know, not in Canberra, not the big names, not the, nothing wrong with the big names, but there's a lot of us who are on the front line who are just doing our jobs, right? You're doing your job. And I think there's a lot that can be taught from that. And I asked my mum around, what do you think of The Voice? And what do you think about what it would change for us in, in the Kimberley? You know, people say it was a Canberra voice. Well, I don't, it, that's not true. And I, I tackle that in the book. Um, and I bring our experience. So it, it, maybe it is a bit like a memoir, but I, I give all of these examples of what the voice could do to us and what's happened to us in the past. Well, you seem to have gotten raving reviews there by Professor Peter Yu and, of course, Wayne Bergman, very outstanding names in the Kimberley community with leaders out there. Oh, look, I was, yes, I have, and I am forever grateful to them. And when they gave me those endorsements, you know, that, that made me feel good. That made my Leon feel good because if they're willing to say, yes, this is the right thing and I've done a good job, then, you know, I better do a good job. And it's really wonderful to have their endorsement because they have, they've, they're the ones who've come before me and we've got to honour those. You know, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, so I'm very grateful for their endorsement. Um, and I think PDU, I didn't realise until he wrote it, um, he said, you know, this is an Aboriginal storytelling style, this essay. You know, I, I talk like this in the book. I don't use big words. There's nothing wrong with big words. But it has to be something that we can talk to my family, my community, to Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people, to white people. They're 97% of the population. So I don't want to do all of the big constitutional legal stuff and I don't want to... I wanted to cut through in this book. People were saying a lot of things. This, this voice will do this and this voice will separate us. And, you know, there, there, uh, there is a lot of lies in the, in, out there in the general uh, community, I think, with, with people who are against it. But I'm not sure if people have sat down and have a good old chat about it and what really happened and what, what went wrong, but also what went right. And when we look to the future, 
what point can we take that was right, like those community programs that kept the kids together, that kept the kids off the streets, that kept us happy. Now, if the kids are happy, the parents are happy. Now, if the parents are happy, you've got good neighbours. You know, but we lost ATSIC and... I talk about ATSIC in the book. I talk about the fact that we were having, we were good times, not easy, but good times. Um, but when we lost it, you know, they closed ATSIC because they said, oh, you know, Aboriginal people can't manage their money. That's a lie. We can manage our money. And if there are a few individuals who didn't manage their money, well then, tackle those individuals. But we all lost because, you know, the white government said, some Aboriginal people can't manage their money, so we'll take the whole thing away. So I just don't think that's fair. I, you know, they don't take... If one politician is bad, they don't scrap the whole government, do they? They do reviews and recommendations and they change and they fix things. We never got that opportunity. So I talk about that stuff. Do you reckon Kundraman would learn? What's, what's in it for Kundraman to pick up? Well... Again, I, I would say think about something like ATSIC, but don't get stuck on that. Don't, don't say it's going to be an ATSIC. It's not. Um, and a lot of people had... Some people had some good times. Some people didn't have any some good times. I think what we have to think about is the future. And not only... When I say the future, <clears throat> a different kind of model. A future where more people are coming through. People we haven't met yet. Younger leaders... Leads, those people in or the old ATSIC, that was 20-something years ago now. You've got to remember that. They've moved on. We've got new people. They're amazing. They've got to come through. They've got things to say. They've got ideas to implement. That's what we've got to think about. And I think about, you know, for example, I, look, I'm not going to run away from the fact that there are problems with you know, crime and, and youth crime and that not just in Alice Springs, but in Derby, my hometown, in Broome, all across Australia, in, in Catherine, in Northern Territory. Well, I would ask, where are the youth programs? Where are the programs that support those kids? It's not just about throwing money at jails and making harder you know, criminal sentences for them. Where are the programs for that kids that keep them happy, that they can claim their language, they can be involved with technology and they're honoured for who they are, their identity, and they can see future? You know, at the moment, I wonder if those kids can see a future for themselves and the only way that they can get attention is to do things that, you know, give them attention. In this case, it's bad stuff. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost in admiration of their use of technology and Facebook and I can't use it. You know, we should harness that in a good way and I think that's things that if people like me and others that have good ideas can take to, to not only not to Canberra but to local government, to Perth, to state government and they can use local ideas for local solutions for local people. My stuff in the Kimberley might not work for Noongar people. So let Noongar people get their ideas and their solutions up and running. And I think that's what The Voice can do. And what about uh, for those in the no camp? Well, in the no camp, well, first of all, hopefully we'd start telling some truths. For example, the other week they said, you know, the Uluru Statements was 26 pages. That's a lie. The other 25 pages were actually conference notes. I think people need to get their facts straight. You know, they, they say this is racist and it will divide us. Well, you know, some of them, some of those people in their camp have been fired in, recently in, in Warren Mundine's camp that, that they, you know, for racism themselves. I've never said anything racist about it. I mean, I think it's a uniting thing. 
And the other people, the others say that there's no detail. Well, that annoys me too. There's a lot of detail. There was a report done by Tom Karma and Marcia Langton, and it was a model. It was a proposal. And they say that in the report. And they say regional elections should have to happen first. Local elections have to happen first before you can do the national. So from the regional and local, you, they start electing their national. So it's not a Canberra voice. So that's wrong. And then the other thing that they say is, is you know, we have no guidance on, you know, what it's going to talk about. Well, they've talked about it's going to talk about employment, housing, uh, justice, um, those kind of those issues that affect us, we're not interested in the three hundred billion dollar AUKUS deal about submarines, and we're not interested about giving white people parking tickets on our land. That's just that's that's all smoke and mirrors and lies. So that's what I say about the no camp. I say you know walk in our shoes. If you think it's racist, well ask Stan Grant what's racism. Ask Adam Goods what's racism is. We've been left out. We we were uh, for well for. It's the first 67 years of this constitution we weren't counted. And even before that, we, we, we have not ceded our sovereignty. I would also say we still have our sovereignty and this voice will help our sovereignty come to life with, with ideally, hopefully, more negotiations after that, after we get this voice up. But we have not ceded our sovereignty. This, is, this voice is about justice. It is not about racism. It's not about us getting more. We're only 3% of the population. Those people who think we're going to take away from them, I'm sorry, but what do you think we're going to take? Really, if you unpack what we never took away your, your, your hill's hoist or your clothesline for a native title, that never happened. You know, people say all of these things, they never happen. It's all about glass half empty, not glass half full. And I would hope that we can start to think about the benefits instead of all the negatives, otherwise we'll never move forward. Charles, have you ever, ever thought you'd be in this position as a young boy growing up in <laughs> Derby? Well, no, no. You know, I've, I've just come from Derby. I'm here in Broome and I love... I'm going out to one on point soon. But I love my home and my family and I thought Derby was the centre of the universe. You know, we had a good... We have good family, we have good things to do on the weekends, after school, riding around on our bikes... You know, with our cousins, our friends, um, I, well, you know, we'd come to Broome every now and then. We'd go to Perth, but I, Derby was my centre of the universe until I was sixteen. I didn't know how big the world was, um, but it's still my centre of the universe, and I love coming to Broome I, when I fly in here to get to Derby um, and see my family here. But I didn't think I'd be in this position. I, you know, whoever who who plans how your life's going to go, I didn't. So, but. What has happened is I've taken advantage. I've worked, you know, like going to uni. I've worked in my jobs and one thing led to another. You know, I've managed to get these jobs as managers and then a CEO because I delivered. And then opportunities came up to apply for Harvard. I applied and I got in um, and then I came back. You know, you just do your work and you do it as best you can and opportunities present themselves. And then people ask you to do things, like write this book, so here I am. And here I am, talking to you once again. Yes, again. Many years later. Charles, you're home for a bit of a break. Other than the fishing, what are you getting up to? Oh, we just had a big barbecue the other night, made some food, everyone brought a plate, you know, those old family dinners. Um, Watched the Matildas the other night, I wish we'd have won, but, you know, right now I'm off to one arm point to see my family and see my mother's country, you know, I've been, I haven't seen 
um, the Cape and the Dampier Peninsula for probably 20 years. Um, just seeing friends, you know, seeing friends, seeing my family, you know, I go for a year without seeing the kids, the kids are growing up, you know, maintaining my connection to the kids, the grannies and my nephews and nieces. So that's what I'm doing here. Oh, I'm getting some sun and getting the tan. <laughs> Thank you for cooking up with this conversation. Oh, look, I'm very happy. I'm very glad it's you, Sandy, after 20-something years back in Halls Creek. Uh, and uh, I'm very happy that I'm very grateful that you remember me. I remember you. And it's, I, look, I, I really important for me when I'm home to talk to um, local media. You know, I've done ABC and, and others, but it's I'm so happy to speak on Galari Media and you know, 6DBY, that's more important to me than the, the big national one. So I'm, I'm very grateful. So thank you. Thank you, Charles. It was lovely talking to him yesterday. In fact, you would have noticed <laughs> that uh, conversation was recorded a little differently, manually. Yeah, I haven't recorded remotely since... Uh, uh, talking uh, to uh, that wonderful gentleman running around Australia for uh, the boys uh, recently, Mr. Pat Farmer, and having that conversation yesterday with Charles really kind of brought back uh, a lot uh, with how handy a portable recorder is, but uh, only to some extent, I suppose, with modern technology, you've got to put it uh, through the various sources to get on air. And I would like to thank Arthur Hunter for his skills and ability for assisting me with that one there. So thank you, Arthur. It was a lovely conversation. Catching up with Charles, we're going to talk to Donnie Impelong shortly and find out how he went uh, last weekend at the Frack Free concert here in Broome. <laughs> 